Well, I'm back on dimension reduction, and uh, uh, there's <clears throat> there's uh, different ways to analyze your data to figure out uh, which features can be removed, and one of them is to use uh, pair plot, uh, seaborn pair plot, and what you're looking for is uh, uh, features that are very uniform. They have no very little variance. So remove all of those features where there's, you know, they're not varying like much. For example, if you had an individual and you're measuring whether how many legs they have or how many arms they have, <coughs> the variance on that is going to be almost zero. And so you can remove that from your feature column. Um, also, if uh, you had like uh, uh, two names that are roughly the same thing, like height in inches and uh, feet, you could say something like uh, height and feet uh, or stature. You could remove stature. And uh, so that, that, that's using uh, just some uh, pair plotting looking for uh, features that are very similar. And then what you have left is uh, features that seem to, uh, in a scatter plot, seem to distribute very nicely. They're not, they're not moving along the diagonal. If they're moving along the diagonal or along a line, uh, it means that you have very little variance and uh, you could probably remove one of those features because they, they're basically the same, but they're similar. Or there's no, no uh, in the case with like uh, uh, height and inches and stature, they're, they're roughly the same thing, so you can remove one of them. Okay, so the next thing you wanna do is uh, PCA, and PCA uh, is a way to look to see if you can find, uh, it's a uh, clustering, so clustering of different groups, and you can also use k-means. Uh, so you can use k-means, clustering, hierarchies, and they all kind of uh, work together to uh, help you identify these groupings. And one uh, technique for doing that is uh, TSE, and you can use that. Uh, uh, I did. I use the Army uh, uniform. Uh, see, it's a measurement of different uh, physical characteristics of different branches and, and by ethnicity, race, uh, looks at a weight, uh, height, but not only just weight and height, but it's also measuring things like neck circumference, waistline, uh, length to the inside seam of the leg, things, uh, you know, just different dimensional aspects that about the person and it didn't have, in the one example I was looking at, it didn't have body mass index, but there was a certain, there is a certain body mass index for a fighting soldier that they want uh, to have characterized and, and, uh, and that, that uh, usually relates to a body mass index, so there's a certain height 
for your height, you want to be a certain weight. And I think for my height, I was supposed to be 175 pounds. And it's been a long time since I've weighed 175 pounds. Um, and, uh, and then you work to keep your weight off and, and uh, maintain that fighting weight. Um, and so those are, so those are uh, some interesting correlations. So you, you can, uh, I, one thing I was thinking about was like, well, I wonder if certain ethnicities weigh more uh, based on their height weight proportions and you know because of bone density and and uh, different physiological differences and so I I put that into a category plot and uh, just distribute the mean for that group uh, and I didn't segment it by uh, certain ranges that's that could also in terms of height and I think that's one thing that I'd probably want to do to make it a more fair comparison is uh, get the height for segmented for a certain range and then do the comparison that way and, and I think then we can see if, if certain ethnicities uh, weighed more because of bone density, muscle mass, etc. And, uh, but I, it, it was uh, fairly distributed uh, over the, just, you know, taking different groups and ethnicities and just looking at it. There wasn't uh, any real strong conclusion. I think I should have sorted it also. It was uh, just kind of put out there by, uh, uh, by, by ethnicity, by name, and I think I should have just sorted it by the average weight, and then also set a constraint on uh, height. So I'm looking was looking at maybe different plots for different heights, and then based on that, then I could uh, get a, a more fair representation of the data set. So maybe I just say. I'm looking for any, the height is between, uh, let's say five foot and six foot five or something. But there's quite a bit of difference with someone who weighs, who's six foot five versus five foot. So I would say maybe five, eight, five, nine to maybe six, two, six, three. I, would, I wouldn't want to go any higher than that in terms of height and uh, use that as a comparison. Uh, so then get an average range of there. Because there's gonna be certain ethnicities that are gonna be a little taller, and then you can get a, a better, better uh, understanding of what's going on in terms of a fairer comparison if you're comparing between ethnicities. So, and, I, and it was an interesting study because I, uh, the information was not conclusive. You couldn't draw any conclusions from uh, just looking at the data. And, uh, and so, you know, you can't find the signal in the data. And you, that's what you're really looking for, signal in the data, kind of the, give you an idea of uh, the way trends are working, uh, the distribution of the data, and so forth. Um, so that was kind of a really fun exercise. And then I'm going to go um, put a logistic regression 
uh, classifier in there. And then I'm going to use that regression, uh, logistic regression, to calculate the probabilities underneath the curve. And then I'm going to feed the probability uh, into an uh, RLC, AUC, under the curve, area under the curve algorithm, and get scores, and then plot out those scores and see what features um, are, are giving me the best scores. Now, when you use uh, TSE, one thing that you want to be aware of is that you have to use a hierarchy and a k-means and a centroid to get the labels. So you can, it's why it doesn't just automatically take the data and when it groups, uh, you, you can display the labels on TSE, I don't know, but you have to use these other uh, you other clustering techniques to get your label and then you can feed that label into your TSC so you can find out how your data is grouped uh, if there's any particular clustering of data in your groupings uh, it will show up as a different color with a, le le a legend and then that color legend will tell you those important features and then that's the area you want to focus in on your classification. So, uh, if there's clustering, then that would become possible output targets. So, in the case of the iris, there was three output targets: uh, Sosa, Berea, and one other type of petal, based on its uh, uh, shape morphology and it uh, and it, it can be and that can be determined from the tensi analysis so you could have determined that just with the raw data that there were three uh, classifications and then based on the those classifications uh, you could then have a target of a type and uh, then feed that type into a classifier. So it would then return back which type was most probable uh, based on the demographics. And it would be interesting if that is the case, if I could feed in certain features about a person and I would know uh, I would know what one of these classifications, which I'm not sure which classification is going to emerge because I saw there was about four different classifications that looked like were in the TENSI data, but I didn't have the label. So I'm like, well, I'm not sure what I would, would be classifying as. So once I discover what that is, then I can use that as my targets. And then I can feed in some attributes and see uh, if it would identify the target based on those attributes. Fun stuff, but uh, pattern matching is really powerful. Again, we talked about yesterday about some of the value of NLP, uh, just because of there's so much text. And uh, today I'm going to return back to a project I was working on where I was taking the descriptions of different phases, and I was trying to find comparable 
comparable phases based on their descriptions. Because sometimes there's, there's just variations like in the words and uh, they'll have like uh, uh, one, uh, one version of the word and then maybe they'll put a number in there or something. And so the comparables will be good because then I could find like comparables and see how uh, the two projects performed but I needed a way to identify based on phases which which projects might be similar and then you know I could limit it by uh, by a metric like a metric like a square footage or something like that and then that would create a zone of like uh, groupings and then based on that I could use their long descriptions in their phases to see if there's correlation in similarities first on the uh, word count vectorization in my pipeline <clears throat> and then I could use a monomial or naive phase classifier to uh, uh, see if they're uh, what um, the accuracy on it uh, the prediction is <clears throat> and uh, but going back to that I could actually just use uh, the vectors and cosine to find a score and then projects with a certain score would say be similar and they would be within uh, the restraint of the square footage uh, so they'd be similar in terms of square footage you know maybe your your variance on that would be uh, oh well again I don't sure what the variance on the square footage would be but uh, you just say take similar a similar project uh, maybe you don't even take square footage into account you're just looking at similarity in the phases and then if you get a certain percentage let's say you get 70% match on the score then you uh, you take a look at uh, uh, the details of the two projects so say it says it thinks that these two projects might be similar based on their description so that was kind of the approach i was taking got a little discouraged on it because i didn't understand uh naive base classification and uh, vectorizing but now that i understand vectorizing a little bit better i'm going to try that as a project to see how that comes out so uh, one of the things that's challenging about machine learning is once you actually start working with data is there's a lot of uh, uh, knowledge you have to have beforehand, even in, uh, trying to attempt to solve problems. You can go ahead and solve problems and then abandon them later because you can't figure out how to do things at that time. But then shelf it for a little while, mark it as something that you need to come back and work on later. And then as you get more experience, uh, go back in and and give it a try and see if you can figure it out see if you can get the signal and once you get signal uh, then use visualization to verify verify that your signal is correct so if you see that there are certain classifications then you focus in on those classifications through a visual so that's one thing I've learned is that you can use Python which is extremely powerful to do your dimension reduction 
And then once you get your dimension reduction and your classification and you get some signal going, then uh, use visualization to uh, emphasize that and try to build the business case for it. And uh, <clears throat> so that's kind of the approach is to use the AI uh, to help you identify areas that are important and then use visualizations to uh, emphasize those important areas. And it's always interesting to me because there's so much data inside of an ERP system, but yet so little of it is being analyzed. And I think the reason why so little of it's being analyzed is because there's uh, very specific problems that people are trying to solve, and it has to be solved in that particular order. But if you have something that's very generalized and reusable, then uh, then you provide a platform, and that's where you want to uh, work towards is getting these data platforms uh, that can be accessed through Power BI, and the users then can do uh, multiple querying and visualizations of your of that data based on that platform. <clears throat>